satire is a very tricky game given how extreme reality is right now. Satire is very tricky, you know. Satire can be a lot of fun, I think, when people are on the in on it. When you get it, it's very enjoyable for people in agreement. Playing to broader audiences in the US, the list of great satires is pretty short. There definitely have been some. Even the film Idiocracy, which I would hardly call a sly satire, it's called Idiocracy. I heard when they tested that, the audiences didn't get that it was a joke on the world becoming stupid. And they actually just thought that the movie was stupid. And I talked to the director and I was like, what is that? It's such a brilliant movie. And he said the audience just thought it was a dumb movie. They didn't get that it was a comment on the earth becoming stupid. So if that movie can't play as a satire for a wide audience, I don't know, it's certainly tough. And when you go to Donald Trump presenting 100 Big Macs in the White House, satire seems like a quaint form from the Renaissance. And those are my words. Hmm. What you've done there, Joe, is you've confused the idea of your words with the actual words of Adam McKay talking to Francine Stock about his Oscar-nominated movie Vice on Radio 4's film programme in February of this year. No, they're my words from when I interviewed the director of Idiocracy. Joe, you're a lecturer in 19th century literature at York St John University in England. You spend your days lecturing and giving seminars and occasionally recording podcasts 100 metres from your office and walking to the canteen. You've not interviewed Mike Judge, the director of Idiocracy and creator of an impressive list of US animations including Beavers and Butthead and King of the Hill. Mike Judge is a very busy man. He wouldn't give you an interview. Oh, you're right. That is what I've done. I've got confused. I'm a ridiculous idiot. For reference, the what you've done there construction is actually also stolen from 90s comedians Richard Herring and Stuart Lee. Yep, and we will continue to cannibalise and plagiarise the comic genius of those individuals and others like them until one of them agrees to come on our podcast. And those are our conditions. Have you even seen Idiocracy, Joe? No. And what did the director of Idiocracy say when you interviewed him, Joe? Didn't say anything. Observant fans of 90s satirical news show The Day Today will recognise that we literally just did it again, immediately. Ha! Ah. And that kind of relentless quoting and rehashing of such programmes, which is already a feature of our everyday conversation, will continue to be very much at the heart of this podcast. Smith and War talk about satire. That's right, at least 30% or Trenta Percenter for day-to-day fans of this podcast in which I, Joe War, and my colleague Adam Smith talk about satire will be that. But also we'll be mercilessly cannibalising, repurposing and rehashing our ongoing project, Satire, Births, Deaths and Legacies, in a desperate bid to amass quantifiable impact for our research. Yes, we'll be talking about the form, function, future and history of satire. But we'll be doing that satirically. And today we'll be talking about visual satire and the work of John Kay, with scholar Wendy McGlashan from the University of Aberdeen. That's right, we are using the audio medium of the podcast to discuss and dissect satire that is explicitly visual, and I'm sure that will work brilliantly. But we will also try and include some images on our website so that listeners can see the kinds of things that we're talking about. And actually, with that exact problem in mind of how do you do a podcast about a visual medium, I've actually come up with a little game, which I haven't told Joe about yet, um, but over here in the, in the studio I actually have a copy of the latest issue of The Private Eye, number 1489, came out on the 8th of February, with the headline, Project Fear, latest, stockpile this magazine now, nightmare shortage of satirical periodicals forecast for no-deal Brexit. Wow. The satire is going to die, yeah. imminently, it Should seems. we just stop? We should, <laughs> never. <laughs> okay. No, it's right. up to us now, yeah. the Private Eye are packing in, they say. So, um, so inside this magazine, I've actually got some images that I've taken off of the internet, and I've picked them carefully because one of the questions that I wanted to ask Wendy today when she, when she speaks to us in a little while is, you know, what is the difference between a funny image and a satirical image? Okay. Something we talk about all the time, isn't it? Mm. Is when is, co- you know, not all comedy is satire, 
not all satire is comedy. That second one I'm not so sure about, but yeah. we've got other episodes in the pipeline. Um, so inside this magazine, I've got some images that I've got off the internet, and I'm, I'm going to show them to Joe. Joe's not seen these before; she doesn't know what what's in this in this magazine. And I'd like you to describe them to the audience at home, and then right. say whether or not they're satire. Right. Okay. So image number one. Giving it to Joe now. Okay. Um. So it's a picture of Jeremy Corbyn, and he's carrying a bag for life and wearing sandals with socks. And out of the bottom of the bag for life is lots of vegetarian food, food and biscuits and um, healthy food. And the caption is a victory for the common man. Um, and it's dated 31st of July 2016, and he's whistling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is satire. It is satire, yes. yeah. So how, how is the satire working in this image? you think it's because of the... Because he's not really a common man because he's got his bag for life full of tofu and mm-hmm. stuff, and Brexit wasn't really a victory for the common man, mm-hmm. in my opinion and the opinion of the cartoonist, <laughs> and that's what it's satirising. And the bag for life. It's supposed to be eco-friendly, but it's, yeah, bro- it's broken. Of course, yeah, 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 the bag for life is broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah the bag for life is broken. So that's yeah. that is that's definitely satire, yes. isn't it? Okay, okay. So this this next one then, it's t- two together. Right. Good luck. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> it's from Charlie Hebdo, which will give a sense of how difficult it will be to describe, <laughs> and it is a hooded man beheading another man, and the other man who's being beheaded is saying that he is a prophet. And in another one, a cartoonist from Charlie Hebdo is kissing a man and he's holding a pencil and it says, love is stronger than hate. Yeah. And I think it's satire. It is satire, is it? Because the reason I put this one in is because I was thinking, you know, how far, like, where does it stop being satire and where does it just start being offensive or gratuitous, yeah. gratuitous for the sake of it? I mean, I think this Charlie Hebdo people recognise it as being satirical, Yeah. isn't it? And, I mean, this is... These ones are from shortly after the Charlie Hebdo tragedy. But the second one is sort of conciliatory, isn't it? It but is. But also disgusting. Conciliatory in a way that knows slobbering. it's going to offend the target, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's so the statement, love is stronger than hate, is not being expressed genuinely there, is it? No. Yeah. Okay, so variation on a theme then is okay. this one, which is also from Charlie Hebdo. Right, okay, so it's it's captioned with the words powerful and more powerful, and under powerful it is um, somebody with a gun, and it's labelled Charlie Hebdo, and then somebody under more powerful it is a pen, um, and he's drawing a cartoon of that man, and it says Jesus, and so it's about the pen being mightier than the sword, and I guess... Visual satire, satire. being more powerful than a machine gun. Yeah. Do you think that is yeah. true? Do you think that the visual, is visual satire, satire more powerful than a machine gun? No, yeah. I don't think it is. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, true. Do you think that the visual satire can do something that written satire can't? Or it's interesting that on the examples so far, what what sense do they make without the words? Yeah, isn't it? Particularly the first one. Yeah, and how how utterly weak it is just mm. to to try and describe it, and presumably then also to just write down a paragraph saying, "Picture in your head yeah. a man with a gun," yeah. and then picture a pen. Ah. Okay, we've got one example left. So you know the format by now, listeners. Yeah. So are you ready for this one? <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. So <laughs> it is David Cameron and George Osborne, and David Cameron is wearing a bra, pants, and suspenders. No, a bra and suspenders and stockings, and his pants around his ankles, and he is in a noose, and he is attached to. Um, an intravenous drip of human tears that's going into his arm and his arm is going into the pixelated area where his pants are not and George Osborne is um, <laughs> gagged and bound and they are both in a 
prison cell with lots of empty bottles of champagne and various implements being tortured but not in a way they necessarily don't it like. It looks like they're enjoying it. Yeah, so, he's, yeah. so George Osborne is, is gagged and trussed, but in, in the manner of a gimp. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what that is, yeah. yeah. Um, and then all of the champagne is moe, yep. isn't it? So French champagne everywhere, and um, remarkable likenesses yes. um, <laughs> in, in the faces. Yeah, and and money all over the floor. So it's a, it's a torture chamber, but they're not, they don't mind it. No. So is it satire, though? When did it come out? 2016. Before or after, after. the event? Yeah. I think it's a bit satire, but mainly um, <laughs> <laughs> sort of puerile. Because the idea of David, because David Cameron in this image is is, is masturbating. Yeah, but he looks um, really troubled about it, doesn't he? Well, it's because he's also yeah. hanging. He's on yeah, the noose, isn't yeah. he? And George Osborne's <laughs> got the box, the red box in front of him, the yeah, coach's box, but it's, handcuffs got, in it's it. got kinky handcuffs coming yeah. out of it. So yeah, so is it gone... And there's a dildo on the floor. I've just noticed. Yeah, so like it's it, two, I think. Two dildos on yeah. the floor. So yeah, it, it's has it gone to? Has it become something else? Is it <laughs> yeah, just, it has is become it something else. Is it just offensive? Like it's no, I don't think it's not offensive. No, <laughs> but it's not. It's not going to shock anyone into changing their ways, perhaps. No, no, it's not. Especially if it's after the event, then mm. it's just it's just making feelings felt, isn't it? As disturbing an image as that of that is of David it was Cameron. Disturbing, wasn't it? Yeah, it's far from the most well-known cartoon of David Cameron. Yeah. No, the most well-known cartoon of David Cameron is the the Steve Bell cartoons, isn't it, with the condom on his head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's it's unclear from some of the pictures whether he has a condom on his head or if his head is a condom. But certainly, <laughs> and then he becomes a condom. And then he, he becomes when a condom. He's floating along in the gutter. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So he goes from being a man trapped inside a condom to having a condom for a head to being a used con a used spent condom in the gutter, shouting at Jeremy Corbyn. And I, I like this quotation from uh, from Steve Bell when he says. When I first drew David Cameron at a party conference, I saw smoothness and a distinct air of plausibility. And the more I saw of Cameron, the more his smoothness seemed to develop and encompass all his other features. His well-upholstered upper-class plumpness and his big watery eyes were bound up more and more in his baby bottom <laughs> complexion. And his smoothness took on an otherworldly quality, a kind of androgynous sleekness that accompanied his transformation of the erstwhile nasty party into the sunshine, springtime and fluffy cloud party. And I like that because... When you see those cartoons, on the face of it, it both makes sense because it mm. does look like that, but also it doesn't make sense because it's like if you try and unpack what is satirical about having a condom mm. on his head, it doesn't make mm. sense, even though it's funny. But I like that there is a proper reason behind mm. it that that smoothness is indicative of of so much more, mm. and that's why he's repeatedly emphasised. Because that was one of the things I was going, I was wondering was, you know, is it, is it? Is it fair on David Cameron to, to make fine. fun of it? The fact that he looks like a condom, <laughs> but actually now you've told me yeah. that there's there's uh, lots of connotations, isn't there? Yeah. He's smooth, he's synthetic. <laughs> it's not the real thing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not mean, is it, to say somebody's got smooth skin? No, but no, that's quite so, right. So yeah, yeah, I think David yeah. Cameron, he should he should be fine with yeah. it. But apparently, he has asked Steve Bell what's going on with that. Yeah, and he said. The condom, where does that come from when he met him at a general election campaign in a service station? But Steve Bell wouldn't stop doing it, much to David Cameron's annoyance, I believe. Didn't David Cameron say something about this as well? <laughs> he apparently said to the Guardian <laughs> columnist Simon Hoggart that had uh, objected to him about the cartoons with the observation <laughs> that you can only push the condom so far, which is, <laughs> which is true. <laughs> <but yeah. laughs> it's true. Yeah. Um, 
is there any so what other politicians are there? I mean, draw a picture of Boris Johnson. You don't need to make him into anything mm. last year because he already looks like a cartoon yeah, character. But, but they do do it anyway, though, don't they? They do. What, but, and is it, um, is it Little Lord Fauntleroy? Oh, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. Jeremy Corbyn is Popeye. Popeye. Yeah. Jacob Rees-Mogg, I've seen him figured oftentimes as the Slender Man. Yes. Um, yeah. So. And also, uh, I feel like Walter the Softy from Beano. Yeah. I think I've seen as well. And Theresa May as a sort of Cruella de Vil. Yeah. And also Clown. Yeah, yeah, Clown. And in Stephen Bell cartoons, increasingly, it's just her feet, isn't it, that appear? So you go, she's crushed by... There's a trend towards that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Crushed by the Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah. Oh, crushed by the orange legs of Donald, of Donald Trump. Trump. I mean, that's particularly interesting because that is a homage to uh, Gilray, yes, an it, 18th yeah, century so. satirist. Yeah. Um, speaking of 18th century satire. Yeah. Let's call Wendy McGlashan from the University of Aberdeen. Okay, well, while we wait for Wendy to pick up there, um, I'll just introduce her and what she works on. Wendy works on the visual satirist John Kay, who was born in 1742 in Scotland. Um, and after working as a barber in Edinburgh for several years, Kay made a gradual career shift um, to the production of satirical prints and images in which he mocked the great and the good and also, of course, just the idiots that he saw around him. Um, as Wendy's argued, he's been critically neglected and perceived as something of an amateur, but she's doing important work in recovering him from that neglect. And so we think that um, that work makes her particularly qualified to talk not just about John Kay, but about visual satire generally. OK, Wendy, thanks for picking up. We've got a clear line and we're good to go. Excellent. <laughs> Wendy, we've just been talking about um, visual satire and how it works. And I suppose we the first thing we wanted to ask you was uh, what can visual satire do that written satire can't do you think maybe a sense of immediacy for instance when discussing hogarth's satirical prints in his 1778 essay on laughter and ludicrous composition james Beattie he calls attention just to that to the immediacy of the, of the visual image and Beattie writes that it would require many words to do, to do justice to so great a variety of things and persons, which therefore could not be apprehended by the mind, but gradually and in succession. And hence the jarring coincidence of the whole would be less discernible in a poetical description than in a print or picture. Yeah, that, that's such an interesting quotation. It would require many words to convey yeah. all of this and that, that nobody could could grasp it if you just just wrote all of that stuff down without a lot of the text the, the visual images wouldn't necessarily have the same punch i mean just for one example one of one of case satirical prints um, lord redlebane is depicted highland dress he's harnessed around the, sh- the shoulders by the petticoat of his wife who's dressed she's, she's dressed in breeches the jacket and feathered hat of a highland officer and high-heeled shoes and she drives him along with a horse whip. And mm. this is an image which alludes to the Scottish pipe tune, Lord Breadlebean's March. But printed beneath the image is the title, Petticoat Government, or The Greymoor is the Better Horse. It's a theatrical title which sets up Lord and Lady, Lady Breadlebean as a form of public entertainment and then connects them to Henry Fielding's play, The Welsh Opera, or The Greymoor, The Better Horse. And that's a, a satire that mocks Queen Caroline's dominance over King George. So, the inclusion of the text, not of you know, of, of the written word, actually enhances the meaning of, of, mm. of the satire itself. So sometimes, ironically, visual satire does require words in order for us to process and make sense of it. Yeah, we were just talking about, we were just before we called, we were talking about some recent cartoons, satirical cartoons, and we were talking about how you really do need the, the caption. To, Absolutely, to... yeah, 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 definitely. 
some of Kay's images, they were straight images that they relied on, on um, humorous visual contrast and didn't include that textual image, but um, that sort of extra textual content. But so many, so many of them did, and that permitted them to add obviously layers of meaning. And That's interesting, Wendy. So remember when we first met at the British Society for 18th Century Studies conference um, in January at St. Hugh's College, Oxford? I remember you argued that these prints provided John Kay with a quick-witted means of disseminating social critique. Yes. Um, are there any examples of pictures that he did that, that you wouldn't consider to be satirical and that are just funny pictures? What's the difference between a funny picture and a satirical picture? Some of Kay's pictures do just, um, they present portraits of, of his contemporaries and, well, not strictly speaking, caricatures, because they, they don't engage in that kind of, physiognomic exaggeration caricature they do emphasize they do emphasize um their prominent features so he has a, a lot of images for instance of military of, of, of soldiers and, and standing in uniform quite often posed to the side so you can see that they've got like you see they're not necessarily satirical but they are still funny so where do you draw the line in your own mind what does an image need to do to be satirical I think it has to be often some sort, some form of comment or some form of, of criticism, an element of ridicule that goes beyond purely pointing out the physical characteristics of an individual. Yeah, yeah, it has yeah. to just not be mockery, but be making a yeah, point. yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. Me actually, actually ha- having something to say. Yeah, it has to be more, doesn't it? More than just calling attention to some unfortunate physical attribute or quality. There has to be some sort of commentary in there too, doesn't there? Yes, it can't just be if they've got a big nose or a fat belly or stupid hair. Or, stupid hair. Yeah. or if their head looks like a condom in the case yeah. of David Cameron. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, was just, I was just looking at those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so were we. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> is that a parallel for today or is, or is Steve Bell doing something completely different from what John Kay was doing it? I would, I would say that Steve Bell actually provides a really particularly relevant example I mean, Bell's work often references and recycles existing artworks and in very, very clever ways that instantly suggest further layers of meaning. It's a really, really good parallel. And in a way, knowing the context of Gilray, for example, with the um, the Donald Trump, Theresa May feet, yeah. that provides a kind of an extra added layer of, um, of satire because of the, the contrasts and the differences between the picture that Bell is referencing and and what he's done and the point that he's trying to make. So knowing the context there is really useful, isn't it? Because it helps us to process and understand the image and the satire that's being enacted. On another note, Adam and I were talking earlier about the Steve Bell cartoons of David Cameron with a condom for or as a head. What do you think about those? It works because it's very, very funny and it's, it's memorable. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. certainly memorable. And I think, I mean, that's something that's really important as well. I mean, once you've seen it once, next time you see it, you know it's referencing David Cameron. It's um, crude, but very clever. Yeah, it is crude and clever. But is it satire? What do you think, Joe? Is it satire having a condom for a head? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think having a condom for a head is, is inherently satire in and of itself. And I wonder, based on what Wendy's been talking about um, in terms of reference and elusiveness, maybe satire as well as other things, maybe it does have to have an element of, of cleverness and illusion um, if it's going to work on lots of levels and make us see things we hadn't thought about before. Yeah, I think so. Well, that's given us lots to think about, Wendy. Thanks ever so much for that.
Bye, Wendy. Bye. 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 It's been great to talk to Wendy McGlashan from the University of Aberdeen. And if you want to follow Wendy McGlashan on Twitter, you can do so at Wendy underscore McGlashan. We're coming to time, Joe. Is there anything else we still have to say? Uh, well, I think it's my turn, isn't it, to say a little more about where folks can find us and our work online. Yeah, please do. Yes, I will. Um, we are Satire No More on Twitter. And you now do not need to Google satire, births, deaths and legacies to find us. I've discovered you will actually get there even if you just Google satire and birth. That's a useful time-saving tip there and a lovely affirmation of our growing celebrity. And just to say as well, if you have a moment, if you could just tap us up on our socials or send us an email, our email address is on on our website, to let us know that you're listening to the podcast and hopefully also enjoying it, but mainly that you're listening so that we can evidence that there is an audience which will help us to secure the funding we need to continue hosting this podcast. So do that even if you're not enjoying it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Just if you're listening. If you've listened to this... If you're aware of it. If you're aware of it, give us a yell. Please do give us a yell. So thank you for listening. Um, And tune in again next month when we'll be joined by Dr Kate Davison from the University of Sheffield. Kate works on the social history of laughter and she'll be helping us to answer the question, does satire have to be funny? And also, why do we laugh? And I'm sure there will be laughs aplenty as we discuss that. But for now, goodbye. Goodbye, listeners. Goodbye.